Lead Generation Strategies for B2B Tech Companies, a podcast by Brightvision. Here, you will learn how to generate great leads from the most experienced B2B sales and marketing people. Your host today, and always, is Jakob Levenbrand, CEO at Brightvision. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to the B2B Lead Gen podcast for tech companies. My name is Jacob Lovenbrand. I'm the Managing Director of Bright Vision, as well as host of this podcast. And today we're going to talk a very interesting topic, understanding the essence of marketing to drive results. And we are going to talk about this with Marcus Samuelsson, who's the Head of Campaign and Internationalization at ATOS. And he's also an original thinker within marketing concepts and have a lot of great ideas and insights that he will share around this with us. So with that short introduction, welcome to our podcast, Marcus. Thanks a lot, Jacob. That was a nice introduction. Excited yes. To be and we are so happy to have you as a guest. And there's a lot of things we would like to ask you, of course. But before we dive into your thoughts around the essence of marketing. Let's dive into a little bit your background. So can you please briefly tell us uh, a little bit about who you are and what do you do? Sure. Yeah, I'm a marketing strategist and I come from a background of uh, the B2B IT industry. I'm working a lot with uh, relation marketing for the enterprise and public sector mostly. Um, recently, I've gone into a little bit of a new space Currently, uh, as you mentioned there, I'm in the role of uh, Head of Campaign Event and Internationalization at Autos. And Autos um, develops uh, the world's most comprehensive workforce management solution. Um, And so it's software and consulting to ensure excellence in managing what I would say most companies' top asset, which would be their people. Basically, just making sure you have the right person uh, in the right place at the right time with the right qualifications uh, every time. So, um, but I think more than that in regards to what I do, um, you know, because I approach marketing with a lot of passion uh, because I get really excited about the power of communication and the change it can bring. And um, I guess I have this personal mission uh, for myself to try to discover the gold standard for, you know, value-based and effective marketing. That's sort of um, what I'm trying to achieve in my career. And I'm driven by, you know, this is driven by a vision um, that I see of a world where all marketing communication is valuable for customers and effective for companies. I see them kind of go hand in hand. So, yeah, having that said, I'm really happy to to have this conversation with you because I see this as as an opportunity to live up to my own vision and mission here. Because every time I talk about this or think about this with someone, you know, I learn and discover more. So hopefully as I learn here, maybe I can bring someone else along for the ride um, and broaden someone's perspective just a little bit. Yeah, that's so interesting. And I I read it in your <laughs> LinkedIn profile before that you, these are the top two of your six principles you share there. And I think yeah, I agreed with so many of, of your thoughts around oh, uh, yeah. this. Yeah. So really, cool. really cool to that you want to, uh, to drive of a vision of you know being valuable in client communication, both for companies as well as for customers, which yeah. we unfortunately maybe need to say that we're not always in marketing. So yeah, it's hard. So you have thought about this and have concluded some thoughts around it uh, that you call the essence of marketing. And it 
almost became a little bit of a concept uh, for you. So maybe you can describe a little bit. What do you think is the essence of marketing according to you? Sure. And let me just say before that, um, you know, I, I would say that this is maybe not all my original ideas. You know, I think all theory is built on older theories. So this is uh, maybe not exactly my words, but I do believe in, in this idea of the essence of marketing. And, and I wanted to try to answer that question because normally we don't have the time to zoom out, you know, and ask ourselves these big fundamental questions. Oftentimes we're lost in the tactification of marketing, you know. There's, there's so many new shiny toys and TikTok and, you know, stuff that's, it's so easy to get lost, you know. And I think if we have a clear view on what, is, what it is that we're trying to do fundamentally, I think it helps us keep on track and not, and not get, uh, you know, lost so easily. So, so the question here is, you know, what is the essence of marketing? Um, and I use the Berlo model to break this down, which is, you know, this idea that there's four elements to communication and advertising. Um, fundamentally, there's the sender, there's a receiver, a message, and a medium or a channel. So between the sender, the receiver, the message, and the medium, what is, you know, the essence? And, and it, I think most people would agree that the message is the essence, you know, because without the message, there is no sender, there's no receiver, and there's no channel. So, so I think um, that's a start, but it doesn't really it's not really specific enough for us to start to work with. So then the real question becomes, if the essence of marketing is uh, the message, what is the essence of the message? And that is the value proposition, I believe. And the value proposition is you know, the reason why, um, not, not, not necessarily what. Okay, so this is nothing crazy new or revolutionary insight, you know, but mm. I think we need to be reminded of it and more importantly, we need to dig deeper into this to understand that it's the truth on which everything else you do in marketing is built on. So, so let me just put this in context, right? Because I believe that our job as marketers fundamentally is attracting customers through the sales funnel. That's really all it is. You know, from having never heard of a brand all the way through to purchase and retention, that's all we do. And that's why I think the classic sales or marketing funnel is the ultimate analogy to use. So I'm going to try to wrap this up. But what this means for marketers is this, right? That the single most important factor for driving customers through the funnel, which is our fundamental job, is messaging the right value proposition. So maybe this gets clear now. Um, and, and to summarize, the essence of marketing is the value proposition because it's the single strongest driver of pulling customers through the funnel. And what we need to focus on is how to express and back up that, the, the right value proposition at all times in the funnel. Uh, not only making sure that you have the right proposition or the claim, but equally important that you back that claim up with evidence, otherwise no one would believe you. So um, that's what I think is the answer to what is the essence of it. That's a great insight and, and really good definition. I think, I mean, marketing is a very complex process. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of tactics and, yeah. and uh, activities. Yeah. And it's so easy to forget what the, the core principles and what the essence is. And, and I totally yeah. agree. And uh, it's so interesting. So the value proposition and how to express it is the essence, according to you. So that's 
I, I definitely agree. If you don't have a value proposition, you can have the best process or the best marketing, uh, you know, funnel mm. in the world, yeah. <laughs> but you will probably not be so successful anyway to converting to clients uh, or, or at least yeah, you have exactly. to pay a lot of uh, money for these leads you will drive into that funnel. So sure. how do we take this to the next step? Where do you see from your experience companies miss the mark here? What's the problem with, with this value proposition? Why is it so hard to get it right? Yeah, I think there's two parts to that. First, I think um, a lot of people have just, they, they've forgotten about this or they missed the mark on this. Uh, they, maybe they've never answered that question themselves. And so it's so, like I said, it's so easy to get lost. Um, but then for the people that maybe do understand this, um, I, I think that, fundamentally, we have a problem with doing things in the right order. Um, I think this is really important because doing things in the right order is, is, is really important to get this right because you have to see this process as stacking things on top of each other to make you know, the entirety make sense. Because the challenge really here um, and why people struggle with it is ensuring that you have all the way through the strategy and to the execution, uh, you know, a solid, solid process. And this follows all the way through. And that's really hard. But you have to start with market analysis, doing your research, then laying the strategy, and then, and only then, uh, you start with tactics. So maybe I can try to um, talk a little bit more about this uh, in a concrete matter. So mm -hmm. if if we build on what we've established already, uh, which would be that um, the value proposition is ultimately we would want to get to. And um, then we can maybe work backward, backwards to figure that out. So if communicating the value proposition is, you know, that will be your message and your positioning in the market. That's what you bring to the market, ultimately what your customers receive, right? So then the question becomes to know what value proposition to message, you need to be really clear on your segmenting and targeting because not everyone will be attracted to the same value proposition and you need to prioritize between you know, the segments. So uh, you need to do the segment, segmentation and the targeting. And the way you do that is that you should, I see a lot of people do this wrong. This is one of the big, I think, um, problems um, would be to, to not, doing, not doing proper segmentation. I see a lot of like firmographic segmentation only, you know, company size or industry. Um, that's not enough. And certainly we should not be concerned about demographic segmentation either, you know, because whether or not your target audience is male or female in B2B, this has virtually no impact. Um, and this is a trap. I, I mean, I've done this myself, uh, but it's really not a helpful segmentation. So, so how do we then segment? Well, the best way I think to segment your market with the end goal of communicating a value proposition is the jobs to be done segmentation. And this is really important. Um, so for those who maybe are, aren't familiar with the jobs to be done theory, it is in essence a recognition that we don't really buy products or services. That's not the right um, you know, uh, mindset. We hire them to get a job done. Uh, you know, Theodore Levitt, I think in 1962, the Harvard um, business professor, he said, People don't want to buy a quarter inch drill. They want a quarter inch hole. A famous quote, right? <laughs> and and yeah. it's, it's great because 
we're hiring a drill to get the job done of putting a hole in your wall. So once you start understanding this, everything starts to get clear because now you can, now you can ask yourself the question, what message is most effective? Will it be technical specifications on the drill? You know, what material the drill is, how long it is? Or is it more effective to message, you know, how your potential customers can help, or how they can hang a painting on, on their wall? Because maybe that's why they want the hole in the first place. Mm. So, and of course you can take this down even further. You could say, you know, I want the hole so I can hang a painting. And then you could say, but why do you want to hang a painting? Because I want a beautiful home. And then you can ask, why do you want a beautiful home? Because I want to feel comforted at home or whatever it might be, right? So there's different levels of abstraction in the value messaging. But once you realize that the product or solution that you sell is just, uh, the function of it is just to get hired, to get a job done, marketing gets a whole other meaning. And when we focus on the jobs to be done and the value proposition that goes with it, we create value that transcends the product. And I think that's how you win at marketing. So to just sum up this approach, right? You start with doing your market research and you do this. This isn't the only part of the analysis or the research phase, right? But the, 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 the fundamental part will be to develop a jobs to be done segmentation of the market so that you know what type of jobs your different segments are trying to achieve. Once you have those segments, you need to dress them with a population. So how many accounts in each segment, the market value, how much do they typically purchase for, and the market share currently in the market. And once you have every segment with this information, now you know which segments to target because now you've you know, you, now you can categorize the segments based on, uh, you know, profitability for you. And then once you have that, of course, now you know the jobs to be done. Now you can develop these value propositions based on the target segment's job to be done. And that's pretty much it. After that, you need to set yourself objectives and targets uh, for the year. And then you go into the tactics. And, and you don't do this before, but once you've laid out all of this, can go into the tactics, you know, planning the channels, the tactical execution. Um, but that's pretty much it. That's a great layout of, of a campaign uh, structure there. That's awesome. And oh, I love... you know what, Jacob? Yep. Sorry to interrupt you, but I just realized I have a great story to just sum this up in a story. And oh, an yes. Actual, in an actual Please case. share it yeah, with us. Because this is really great. Um, and a lot of people know it, or I think especially your listeners in Europe, but probably US now recently too, because I have a story about Klarna, Europe's biggest fintech unicorn. Yeah. I think it's valued now at over $10 billion. This is a B2C case or example. So it's not maybe perfect, but it's pretty much. Because it, what, what happened was I had a chance to listen and talk to Klarna CMO, David Sunstern, brilliant guy about the strategy and this is what they did at Klarna. They, they basically followed this to a T. They started with the research, analyzing the market. And what they did was they asked the market about what was the most attractive product attribute in the space of online payment. And you have to remember this was back in the day when paying online was a, it was a total mess. Mm. It took forever. You had, to, you had to pull out your credit card. It didn't feel safe. It, it, it was slow. Uh, you know, and 
So what they found from asking the market, they found that uh, the most attractive product attribute would be something that was easy and fast. That was it. It was overwhelmingly clear that that was the market was wanting. Mm. What did Klarna do? They developed the smooth concept. Of course, playing on easy and fast, right? And what they did was they built everything, their entire universe on one word, on one message, which was their strongest value proposition. They knew that because they did the research. This is what the market wanted. So they invested everything on this. So this is an example of you know, brilliant single-mindedness. They could have said, we're fast, we're secure, we're easy. No, they tripled down on one association to be the one and only smooth shopping. And knowing that the value proposition of smooth shopping was the strongest market driver, you know, that's where their success comes from. Um, so it's a brilliant example, you know, of building a brand on, uh, on this process and building it on a value prop that really works. And of course, it only works in Klanosh's case because their service actually is smooth. So of course, you need to back this up. I, I hate hype marketing, you know, uh, but if we can back it up, this is brilliant. Oh, wow. That's a great story. I, I haven't heard that before. So that was really interesting. So, yeah, he did his research. They understood how to position themselves against the different jobs to be done and the preferences around that. And yeah. the rest is history. <laughs> the rest is history. And of course, they executed on it, you know, yeah, brilliantly. Yeah. I mean, you can't, there's a lot of creativity and then the tactical execution was brilliant as well, but it really followed through. It's a brilliant example of what I was talking about and why it's so hard. Mm. They followed through all the way from the analysis part and the research part all the way to the tactical execution. Mm. Yeah, and I think you have uh, put the finger on something that we sometimes put way too little efforts in into marketing. And I think it's segmentation and understanding mm. the different segments. Yeah. And I think the jobs to be done model is, is not so much used. I've come across it a few times yeah. with clients, but I think that's a very creative and, and great way to do it. I think it's mm. similar to the, if you are familiar to Crossing the Chasm book with Jeffrey Moore and his, right. uh, yeah, he has the persona model where you have applications on one um, layer of the matrix and, and uh, different uh, uh, use cases on the other one and try to find the intersections where you have the, the compelling need or, or you know, what, what are the, hard, uh, the biggest needs? Where can you move the needle quickest in order right. to get... But that's more from a startup perspective where you probably mm. need to cross the chasm quickly in order to survive. So, so that's yeah. also a way how this, which is a bit similar, but sometimes we, we w way too much look on demographics or firmographics and just say, yeah, yeah, this is a good segment. Let's go for that market and, yeah. and don't weigh in the needs and the preferences and the understanding of the person's needs and wants uh, below. So I think that's awesome to yeah. express that. Really, really good. Yeah. Have you seen from your career any B2B examples or campaigns that you have been involved in where you have, you know, had similar success understanding yeah. your market or so? Yeah, sure. I, I think there's a lot of different examples, I think, but and on different levels. But, you know, if you talk on a campaign level, you know, I think I had a really strong experience with um, in my previous job where the job that we were doing was basically launching 
a new offering to a new segment. And this was an IT offering towards the retail market. And what we had planned on doing was, you know, launching this offering by uh, basically doing a physical event. This was before Corona, <laughs> just have to say, this was a physical event, right? And um, we were really struggling with getting people to sign up. And I think this is something that's relatable to a lot of people, you know, uh, either it's pre or post pandemic, um, you know, getting people to sign up for, you know, either it's online webinars or, or physical, you know, event. We saw some great challenges with that. We had some generic messaging around IT and retail, but it, it just wasn't working and, it, and we were failing. We, were, we, we had like a week and a half left and we had no one, you know. Mm. Um, it was probably a little longer than that, but, but we realized we had to do something. So uh, fortunately, I, I had a research partner, a, um, yeah, a partnership with another company that helped us a lot with research. And they were able to help us in a really quick notice to really understand what the market you know, what that segment, the retail segment, what their most pressing issue was. Because I wanted to understand the job to be done because we didn't have any real previous experience in retail um, from a market perspective, you know? Mm. So what we, what we found out was that the, the value proposition here and the main job of the customer at that point, and this was a huge thing, right? Was this, this challenge of how do you create relevant customer experiences in, in store through digital innovation. So, so in retail, uh, they use this phrase a lot, omni-channel, you know, the, mm-hmm. the integration of online and offline. And so all of a sudden we knew what their challenge was. So instead of, you know, t- you know launching this event from a, a, cus- a, a company out perspective, you know, what we want to tell the customers, we switched the messaging around to talk about digital innovation within retail. And within a week, we had booked 80 people. We were fully booked out. And it wasn't only the messaging here, right? But it was the whole concept of the, the, the event. Because what we did was we created this challenge board. Because through the research, we found out that the biggest challenge here was that no one was leading the way. There was no real way forward on how to actually deliver digital innovation uh, within retail. So, um, Given that this process that we or this concept that we set out for the event was supported uh, by us defining it as the single best way to deliver value, and this is what it was it was a challenge board. So, in the uh, event venue, one side of the board was just a big um, board where we, uh, in the mingle leading up to the event, um, told our uh, participants to just write down on a piece of paper, we had post-it notes, right? Write down your biggest challenge within digital innovation today and put it on this board. And throughout the event, we said we would try to help answer these questions. So it was an interactive event. And we just got through the mingle and this board was completely full of challenges from our customers. So all of a sudden we had all these insights on what their problem was. And we tried to answer some of the questions on stage and, but most of them were questions that we didn't have answers to yet. So part of this concept of this event was after the event, we took, we looked at this board and we grouped together all these challenges that were similar. And we invited the similar ones to a lunch roundtable, And we sat down with all these different customers that had the same challenge and we tried to help them out. 
And uh, we saw some great commercial results out of this. Uh, but I think that's a great example of just on a campaign level, how switching your mentality from, you know, what we want to do, launching, you know, a, a new offering to delivering the most value as possible based on market research. Yeah, that's so interesting. Wow, what an example. That's so cool how you can turn around an empty event to, to sold out in, in just a week or two, you know, so that's definitely yeah. inspiring. And I totally agree. You, you nailed the message and the challenges that were relevant for the target market when you redid uh, the positioning and so forth. Awesome. Mm -hmm. Do you work as a sales, marketing or channel manager and would like to generate great leads to your B2B tech company? Then we are here for you. By creating a qualified sales pipeline and strengthen your position in the tech industry, we help you grow. Depending on your needs, we use effective strategies like inbound marketing, telemarketing, account-based marketing and paid media. Get more information on brightvision.com. So. It was so interesting to, to listen to you. Do you have any, you know, final words for a marketing manager who, you know, is, is uh, looking for ways to improve the conversion rates and, and their outcomes, so to say? <laughs> what, what do you yeah. recommend? Do you have like three thumb rules or things, recommendations to, to start working within your, your ideas here? Yeah, yeah, I do. <laughs> I have five, actually. I know I talked a lot. I'm sorry about that. Maybe, maybe I'll be faster. Maybe we'll just cover three of them. But I've talked about these before. But I do have five principles for marketing mm -hmm. effectiveness that I believe in. Mm -hmm. And uh, you know, the first thing is this idea that in order to transform your marketing, you need to transform the marketer first. Yeah. So I think this is really important. You need to transform the marketer before you can transform the marketing. This is really important because you want to unify the language in the department. You know, everyone has to have this fundamental idea of what it is that the department is doing and what the essence of marketing is. So given that, you know, I think I have these five principles to help basically transform the department and yeah. be more effective. The first one is value first. Principle number one is value first. And it just means keeping the promise, always keeping the promise of value-based messaging and marketing uh, that has to be customer centric, you know, so always seeing it from the customer's perspective. Number two is, you know, doing things in the right order. Uh, like we've discussed, you know, start with analysis, strategy, and then tactics. And why this is, just to, to get an understanding of why this is so important, it is because marketing has a multiplicity to it. And what I mean by that is the result of marketing is analysis times strategy times tactics. What this means for any marketer listener, listening is this, it's better to do a little bit of every uh, phase than doing going all in on one or being really great at tactics. Because if you, if you score 100 on tactics, but zero on strategy and analysis, it doesn't matter because 100 times zero is zero. So just oh. try to do a little bit of everything. I agree. Yeah. yeah. So set the course right and then follow through. And number three, principle number three is focus. And um, Michael Porter had, has a great quote, which is the essence of strategy is choosing what not to do. And this might be the most difficult thing for marketers to do is, is actually choosing what not to do. 
it sounds easy, but it's, it's, it's impossibly hard to get people to, to, to exclude things. They want mm -hmm. to do everything and they, like the Klana case, right? They could have said, we're fast, we're easy, we're secure. No, they went with smooth and smooth only, you know? Mm. So um, double down on that, you know? And when it comes to more concretely uh, focusing, don't set more than three strategic objectives per year um, because statistics show that effectiveness declines after three strategic objectives per year. So try to focus on three max things per year, move the needle on them and then move. Otherwise you won't you know, move the needle on anything. Mm. Um, I'm going to move on to the fourth and fifth one really quick. Um, and principle number four is just creativity. Uh, because one great, uh, we've talked a lot about the strategic aspect, I think, today, but we can't forget about the, the, uh, the, the effectiveness of creative tactic or execution. And I think one great way of ensuring high creative effectiveness in the execution is using creative briefs. So I'm not going to go into you know, what the brief might look like, but um, Google uh, Julian Cole, and he has a great creative brief to, to, to look at to make sure that you, you, you keep creative. The, my last principle for marketing effectiveness is adhering to you know, Peter Fields and Les Bennett's, um research on the long and the short, which is do both short-term sales activation and long-term brand building, because effectiveness really comes from doing both. Um, build brand equity with the brand building and capitalize on what you build up by executing on sales campaigns. You need to water the tree before you can pick the fruit. And with that said, Jacob, I'm going to stop talking now. <laughs> I love talking about this stuff, as you can tell. Yes. Uh, but I get carried away sometimes. So I, well, I hope that wasn't too much. <laughs> that wasn't at all. That was five principles. I definitely agree on all of them. And it was very well expressed, I think. Very condensed and very, very okay, good, in with, Yeah. <laughs> no, no, no. Very good. Very good. Okay, Thank cool. you so much. And I love your quotes. And uh, I saw that also in your bio in LinkedIn that you're a big fan of David Ogilvy. I've yes. probably read all the books about David Ogilvy as well. So <laughs> good yeah, and I'm almost through them too. <laughs> exactly. Really yeah. And I think that's, uh, I mean, he was the, the evangelist of the long copy and, yeah. and the value add, the value proposition uh, and so forth. I think this is very good in that tradition as well. And I so uh, uh, agree on all the things you have said here. Well, awesome. thank you so much for your time, Marcus. This was really interesting. For people who wonder, you know, if they can hook up with you or read more about your insights and so on, is there yeah. any place we can send them? Uh, yeah, sure. I think for, for right now, it's LinkedIn. Um, you know, I've been thinking about putting together either, you know, an article series on this or a tool or a presentation. So if you're interested in using a tool to help implement all of what we've been talking uh, about, just find me on LinkedIn. Uh, I'll send it over as soon as I'm done with it. But I think yeah, for now, that's, um, that, that's all. This has been a pleasure, uh, Jacob. Thank you so much. Well, thank you. The pleasure is on my side and uh, I'm so grateful for you visiting. And thank you everybody for listening in. Take care. Take care. Thank you for listening to Lead Generation Strategies for B2B tech companies. Don't forget to subscribe. 
you will find it where podcasts live. Discover how we can help you with your lead generation activities at brightvision.com.